You've tuned in to Chaos to the Fly, a podcast for fans of the darkness and the supernatural by Greg Newbigin. If you'd like to reach out to provide feedback or say hello, send an email to info at chaostothefly.com or if you'd like to share an experience, send the details to stories at chaostothefly.com and it might be included on future episodes. Now, let's get down to business, shall we? G'day, g'day, and welcome to episode nine of season one of Chaos to the Fly. We are smashing through the episodes. Crazy. I am Greg Newbegin, your host, as always, coming to you with another episode chock full of scary stuff. Last week, of course, I did something a little bit different, which seems to have been really well received by the uh, listening public, which is your good selves. Uh, and that was special on Mr. H.P. Lovecraft. So I covered the Cthulhu mythos. We had a little bit of a ghost story from Marie Lives the Horror. And I looked at two Lovecraft adaptations in terms of movies, Color Out of Space and Dagon. So that was a bit of fun. I might have to do something similar in the future. Perhaps a Stephen, Sk- Stephen, Sking? Stephen King special or something like that. Uh, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, Anyway, this week we have some different things, but I tried to tie them all in with a bit of a theme, which I'll talk about at the end of the episode. So we've got Abaddon or Abaddon, however you want to pronounce his name. I prefer Abaddon. We have an interesting ghost story in regards to a young person moving out on their own into their own home and finding something already there. (laughs) Plus a review of Three from Hell, the final movie in the trilogy from Rob Zombie, if you like his movies, it's likely that you will like this one. So let's see what I've got to say about it apart from that. Anyway, let's crack on in to this episode. Hope you enjoy it. See you on the other side. (laughs) Abaddon. Abaddon the Destroyer. Not only is he a big bad demon, but he's also got a cool as hell name. In Greek, he was also known as Apollyon, which is less cool, but still means destroyer, so I guess that's okay. Now, some people pronounce his name Abaddon, some pronounce it Abaddon. I think Abaddon sounds cooler, so I'm just going to stick with that. In the book of Revelations, Abaddon is the king of an army of locusts. Other chapters of the Old Testament refer to him, I'm assuming it's a him, as a place rather than a being, effectively another word for hell, or the Hebrew word Sheol, which is the place where all dead souls go. In the Hebrew texts, the word Abaddon is used more actively to mean destruction in the place of Sheol. The Dead Sea Scrolls refer to the torrents of Belial that burst into Abaddon, which is a cool and very evocative phrase suggesting rivers of demons flowing into hell. Hmm, let that sink in for a moment. As we move to more recent text though, Abaddon begins to be clearly referenced as an individual as opposed to a place. Revelation says he is the destroyer, the angel of the abyss, and the king of a plague of locusts resembling horses with crowned human faces, women's hair, lion's teeth, 
wings, iron breastplates, and a tail with a scorpion stinger that torments for five months anyone who does not have the seal of God on their foreheads. How metal is that? As a result of this text, Methodists suggest Abaddon is the Antichrist itself, or simply an alternative name for Satan. However, other interpretations suggest that Abaddon is not an evil entity, but rather an angel of God, and that his destructive work is the enactment of God's will. Jehovah's Witnesses also refer to another line in Revelations, which states that the angel has the key to the abyss and is thus an agent of God. Weirdly, it seems they also believe that Abaddon is another name for the resurrected Jesus Christ, which is uh, certainly a different perspective. But who knows, really? It's all a bit confusing because there are so few references to Abaddon in the texts, and it also requires you to subscribe, of course, to the Abrahamic view of the world, as do demons and angels and all of that kind of thing anyway. Occult philosophy, on the other hand, sees Abaddon as the destroying jinn of the apocalypse and a demon of the seventh hierarchy, which are effectively demons of evil, war, and devastation. Some occult interpretations of Revelation suggest that Abaddon opened the gates of hell, releasing locusts upon the earth, but in turn, he grabbed Satan and cast him further down into the depths of the abyss. Which is cool. These philosophers also claim that Abaddon is an ally to both heaven and hell, but how he can get this kind of free reign is somewhat confusing to me at least. It's likely that Abaddon is an ally to both in that both forces see destruction as a requirement for their enactment of their will. When it comes to pop culture, Abaddon has not gone unnoticed. Apollyon, on the other hand, has not been quite as popular, likely due to its spelling and potential confusion over pronunciation. However, the name has been used in several novels and comic book series. Most notably, there is a character named Apollyon Pringle in the Harry Potter series. There's also a character named Apollyon in the popular For Honor video game, as well as in the independent title, The Binding of Isaac. Lastly, there is a black metal musician who named himself Apollyon, and he has most notably played with bands such as Gorgoroth, Immortal, and Dark Throne. Big bands if you know anything about black metal. Abaddon, while a much cooler and easier to pronounce name, isn't massively more popular to be honest. Still, it has been used in some large TV franchises, including Lost, of all things, Sleepy Hollow and Supernatural. Abaddon the Despoiler is also a character in the popular Warhammer 40k universe. In video games, Abaddon is the name of a god in both Dota 2 and Guild Wars, and is also used in the Shin Megami Tensei series. While the name has been used in books, and is actually the title of a book by the infamous TV evangelist Bob Larson, the name has mostly been used in metal bands. Yep black metal bands to be more specific. Perhaps the most famous use of the name is that of the original drummer for the band Venom, which is famed for potentially creating the black metal subgenre all the way back in the 1980s. Personally, I just think the name Abaddon sounds cool and evil, and I'm surprised it hasn't been used more.
This is another haunted house story supplied to me by the user Ink Yellow on the Ghost Stories subreddit. This is a really, really interesting story. Ink Yellow sent it to me in detail. I did have to rewrite a fair bit of it, but um, it's just a great little story and I hope you enjoy it. In the summer of the year I turned 20, I decided I finally wanted to go to college. After spending the summer checking different houses on the internet, I was starting to believe I wouldn't find anything because everything was either too expensive or too far from my college. Hearing of my concern, my godfather offered my father one of his properties. This was a detached house and there were two apartments next to each other. Nobody had lived there for the last 60 years or so. At least that's what I thought. My father happily brought the house even though it was still in pretty bad condition and we soon moved to the new house and started to work on repairs as my father is a builder. We slept in the next apartment which was in better condition than mine. My father slept in the living room and I was in the bedroom which had a big window and you could see out into the garden. After a few days I began to hear tapping or ticking sounds coming from the closet in my room. Sometimes it was loud, sometimes it was soft, but after hearing it every night for a few nights, I found it pretty annoying. I went looking for the source of the sound, but found nothing in the closet except some old trash bags with clothes inside, so I went back to bed. A few nights later, the sound of footsteps woke me up in the middle of the night. I called out to my father in the living room. Dad, can you just go to sleep? You're keeping me up! I heard no reply, but shortly after, I heard the door to the garden open, followed by footsteps outside near my window. I got up to see what the hell my dad was doing, but when I arrived in the living room, I found my, set. I found my dad fast asleep with the door closed. Tired and confused, I went back to bed and thought about asking him in the morning if he'd heard all that noise in the middle of the night. I woke in the morning and saw my dad having a coffee in the kitchen, so I went to grab a coffee as well. While we drank, I told him about the noises during the night and mentioned that I was annoyed that he was so loud. Surprised, he asked why I was so mad considering I'd spent 20 minutes or so walking back and forth down the hall in the middle of the night. I froze and asked him what he was talking about. I definitely didn't do that. He just laughed and said it might have been a ghost looking for a new husband. I didn't find it that funny. A few more nights passed without incident. But the thoughts in my mind were driving me crazy. But I knew we were almost finished the repairs on my house, so I tried not to think about it anymore and just got back to work. After we finished fixing my house, my father returned home and I finally stayed in the house alone for the first time. Everything was pretty awesome to be honest because I finally had my own place, but not long after I started sleeping in this house, I started to have some weird dreams. Sometimes the nights were so cold that I'd need to get up to drink something hot, otherwise I couldn't get back to sleep. After a month or so, my sleep was completely ruined. I was only getting three to four hours sleep due to the weird dreams and the noises that I kept hearing from the apartment next to mine. Sometimes I heard what sounded like somebody knocking on the door. Sometimes I heard a low whistling sound. But the idea of something supernatural was not on my mind at the time. I didn't really believe in ghosts or the supernatural. I believed that anything that died would stay dead. Nothing comes back to life after death. But what if I was wrong? 
What if something really was living with me? A few days later, my best friend called to tell me he was coming to visit me in Athens. He'd finished his time in the army and needed a place to stay for the night. I went to pick him up and went back to my place. We hadn't seen each other for a few months, so I was glad to have the time to chat and have a few drinks. A few hours later, we were both tired. I set up a bed for him in the living room and I went back to my room. The next day, we woke up and chatted for a while. He was acting kind of strange. He had a strange expression on his face and was asking me some weird questions like, were you asleep all night? And was anybody else here last night? Eventually, he asked me what he was really thinking. So, when are you going to introduce me to your girlfriend? And does she have any friends for me? Kind of confused, I asked what he was talking about. I was single at the time and had no idea what he was going on about. His reply, though, chilled me to the bone. Dude, I heard her laughing last night in your room, as well as a few bumps and bangs, so I thought you two were having fun. I really didn't know what to say, but I didn't want him to think anything strange, so I decided to make up a little lie. I told him I would let him know once it was more official. I didn't want to lie to him, but I didn't want to scare him either. I really didn't know what he'd heard, or what was happening in my room in the middle of the night, but I knew I was alone. The conversation moved on. He asked me if I wanted to go out somewhere for the day, so I stopped overthinking things, and we went out on the town. Three days later, he left, and I was alone again. I was still a bit concerned, but I was also kind of happy. My friend was now the second person who had heard something, and I knew I wasn't going crazy. Four months or so later, I was no longer single, and my girlfriend came to spend the night at my house. We watched some movies, we had dinner, and eventually went to sleep. Before turning out the lights, I told her that if she felt cold, she should wake me up. I woke in the middle of the night because of some weird noise outside my door. My girlfriend also heard the noise, and got up to turn the lights on. Scared, she asked what the noise was. Again, I didn't know what to tell her. I didn't want to scare her, so I told her it was probably the wind. Deep down, I knew I'd heard that sound before. I waited for her to fall asleep, and I went to check the house. I grabbed my phone and went to the other apartment as well. Finding nothing in either apartment, I went back to sleep. In the morning, my girlfriend woke to tell me there was something weird in my doorway. When I looked, I found water or something there, but it smelled terrible. It went away not long after, and everything went normal again for a little while. Summer came, and I went to visit my father in my hometown. I stayed for about a month, and while I was there, I had a few chances to talk with my godfather's cousin. We talked about a bunch of things, but mostly about religion. I'm really interested to learn about all different religions, and he was a Jehovah's Witness. So after discussing his religion for a few hours, I felt it was okay to talk to him about all the things that happened to me in my house. He didn't look surprised at all. Actually, the expression on his face suggested he knew more than he really wanted to say. However, it was actually time for me to leave since it was late. I said goodnight and headed back to my father's house. However, while I was driving home, he called me and told me to ask him about the house again tomorrow, but to be prepared for what he had to say. I wasn't really sure what he meant, so I went to sleep without thinking about it too much. The next day came and I went to visit him again. I immediately asked him about the house. The expression on his face changed straight away. He looked at the ground and said the following. 
I bought that house when I was a little older than you. I was recently married and would give my wife whatever she wanted. She wanted a baby, but every attempt was a failure. After years of trying, we got tired and she decided she wanted to adopt her sister's daughter who was born with Down syndrome. I supported her on this. She looked happy and we were happy too, for a while. Our little girl died four years later. I froze for a few seconds, trying to understand what all of this had to do with my house. I asked if the girl was haunting my house. Sadly, he didn't know for sure, but he did say that that was the reason he left Athens in the first place. Again, I just didn't know what to say, and I felt a little uncomfortable. I changed the subject, and 30 minutes later I went back to my father's house. The days passed quickly, and the day soon came that I had to return back to Athens. I didn't know what to expect, but when I arrived back home I once again found water on the floor. This time it was in my apartment. My father had come with me, and he asked what was up with the water and why it smelled so bad. I wasn't sure he'd believe me if I told him about everything that happened, so I made up some story to cover my own confusion. He left two days later, and I was alone in the house again. I tried to prepare myself for the night ahead, but a friend called and asked me to go out for some beers, and I decided that was a better option. I returned home that night at about four in the morning, and fumbled with my keys trying to open the front door. As I entered the house, I heard something like a laugh, but it was soft and I was half drunk, so I laughed back and went straight to bed. A few days later, while I sat eating dinner, I heard a knock at the door. When I opened the door, I found a lady dressed in black who asked me how long I'd lived in the house and if I'd noticed anything strange. Without thinking, and yeah, I know it was dumb, I told her some of what I'd experienced and she asked if she could come in. I didn't know what to say, so I just let her in. With a smile, she entered and sat at my table. We talked for a while and I explained everything I'd experienced during my time with the house. I soon realised I didn't even know her name, so I asked her. She told me I could call her Vivi, and said that she could help with my problems, but that I would need to give her the key to the apartment next door. I told her the door was actually always unlocked. She went to check, and specifically told me not to follow. An hour passed, and I hadn't heard any noises coming from the other apartment, so I thought it might be a good idea to go check what was up. However, when I tried to open the door... The woman came rushing out with a bag full of books, some toys, and a dress. She told me that everything would be fine from now on, and without any other words, she left. Three months have since passed, and everything seems to have gone back to normal, but I still wonder, who was the woman, and how did she know about all of this? And what about the items she took from the apartment next door? Were they the items of someone that had passed away while they lived there? More importantly than all of this, though... Why did she help me? All of these questions and more have stayed with me since all of this happened, and I guess they'll probably stay that way forever, unless I meet Vivi again someday. Sometimes I wonder if perhaps she was just a paranormal investigator, or if she was maybe like Dean or Sam from Supernatural. But I'm not so worried anymore. I just want to get on with my life. Three from Hell Three from Hell is the final movie in the trilogy from Rob Zombie. It all started with House of a Thousand Corpses, 
and continued with the Devil's Rejects. Turns out the trio of big baddies were all captured and sent to prison, and Three from Hell sees them escape and wreak further havoc. Minus Captain Spaulding, who is executed at the start of the movie. Sadly, the real-world actor who played him, Sid Haig, also passed away prior to the movie's release. R.I.P. Sid. If you've ever seen Rob Zombie movies, especially one of the prequels, you know what to expect here. There's lots of colour, plenty of contrast, plenty of style, bucket loads of blood and extreme violence, shitloads of comedic dialogue, but not much in the way of deep investigation into the human condition. Depends on what you might be investigating, I guess. It's the perfect slash affair. An acid trip into depravity is probably the best way to put it. It covers the story of the remaining three rejects, as I mentioned, and their escape back into the world, immediately embarking on another murder fest and travelling south across the border to try to escape and live their remaining years in a weird kind of murderous peace, I guess. But, as is to be understood, the world doesn't want to see them at peace. This, of course, being the final movie in the trilogy, ends in the blaze of bloody glory. It's silly fun, it's an awesome closure to the trilogy, and it's got that classic 70s, 80s slasher horror feel that Zombie's always going for. If you like that kind of silly ultraviolence, this is where it's at. Otherwise, maybe stay clear. This is for a very specific type of horror fan, if I'm honest. I really enjoyed it. Okay, so that brings us to the end of episode nine's content. All stuff I I really enjoyed this week, uh, as I do every week, of course. Why did I choose these, these topics? I don't know. I pulled it all together at the last second, if I'm honest. And it's mainly because I didn't have uh, edutainment story that I was really happy with. So I decided to write a, a new one starting from scratch. And yeah, Abaddon was just the first thing that sort of popped into my mind. And I don't even know why, because it's not, you know, if you if you listened, of course, you would have listened to the start of this episode if you're listening now. But um, it's not an overly popular name for a demon. And there aren't even a hell of a lot of references to it in religious texts. So I don't know why it just popped into my mind, but it did. And while I was writing it, I was looking for a ghost story and looking for which review I wanted to cover. And I just found a couple of sort of matching themes. You know, the uh, Apollyon or uh, uh, Abaddon is another word for hell. So three from hell seemed to match that. In the ghost story, it talks about Jehovah's Witnesses, and there is a reference to Jehovah's Witnesses in the Abaddon story as well. So I just thought there were some parallels between the three uh, sections, and that's the main reason I chose them. Uh, Like I said in a previous episode, I've got like 10 reviews already written, so I can sort of choose which one I want to do. And if I'm Equally honest, not only is it because uh, they're from hell, but I also just really like Rob Zombie's movies, and I I really wanted to include that review in season one because I just enjoyed that movie. It's it's different because it sees the 
bad guys as the main characters. They're the characters you follow around. So, you know, it's, you're kind of cheering for the bad guys <laughs> in a way. Uh, so it's a, it's a really weird kind of movie, but I, I kind of enjoy it. I like it. It's good to be, it's good to be bad every once in a while. Not too bad. Not in real life. Just got to let it out, you know, you know, cathartic. Anyway, this week's topic, ghosts. I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about it. Do I actually believe in ghosts? I really don't know. I really, truly, honestly don't know how I feel about it. I'm not a religious person, but I believe in some form of spirituality. I believe, or at least I want to believe that there's got to be more to life than just all of this. And like I said in a previous episode, one of my secret shames <laughs> is that I like to watch YouTube ghost hunter videos. And some of the stuff that happens there is just, it's too hard to not believe. Sure, they could have friends that are setting up all these things. And if that's true, it's a, it's fairly dishonest, but they do put on good shows. But some of the things that happen, it would be really, really hard, if not impossible, to set that up. And it just makes me believe there must be something. So many people have some kind of story. I've had several people that I love dearly in my life pass away. And I like to think that they're there with me and they're talking to me. I have heard of people in my family who have spoken with uh, mediums and things like that. And they've told them things that are, you know, maybe just a little hard to believe unless it was real. Or, you know, hard, hard, to, hard to disagree with or hard to dispute. Uh, and I find that really interesting as well. So part of me considers going to see a medium as well. You know, perhaps it could put some of my concerns or sadnesses or whatever uh, over to the side, put them to bed. Let me move on from, from certain things. Uh, I don't know. I'd be interested to try. I am. I love the idea of ghosts and spirits. I don't want to be haunted myself. I don't want to have any demons in my house or anything like that. But, you know, a small part of me is interested in the whole idea of paranormal investigation. And, you know, uh, I'd love to, to get into it myself. But then again, I think to myself, well, oh, that means I've got to go scary places in the middle of the night. I like sleeping in the middle of the night. So I don't know. I can just live vicariously through YouTubers. The only problem I have with that is you never know whether anyone is actually pulling a fast one. You know, I'd rather see it with my own eyes. Hmm. I guess what I'm saying is I want to believe because it'd be cool, but I just don't know. And I don't know how I feel about religion and things like that. There always seems to be that, um, a lot of these ghost hunters really do believe in God and carry things like crucifixes around and things like that. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. But maybe if there is a God and it's not any one of the religions that we currently 
have on this earth because, you know, the god has been gone for a long time. So who knows what's what's real and what's been made up over many, many years. But maybe the god is just happy to be worshipped by whomever, all religions. So maybe it doesn't matter in, in the end if you're invoking the god, then you have that protection. I don't know. I'm just rambling at this stage. I'm just rambling. But if this is something you're interested in and you want to pass on some of your knowledge to me, feel free. Info at chaostothefly.com is where I'm at. Yeah. Help me believe. Help me believe. Uh, I, I want to. Like I said, I want to believe. I need to get that I want to believe poster from X-Files. It's great. The secret that I'm going to tell this week isn't even my secret to tell. It was my father's. And it is really the only scary experience that has happened to anyone in my family, as far as I know. I know I haven't experienced anything. My brother, my sisters, none of them have actually told me of any scary experience that they've had. The only person that has told me of one is my father. And my father did recently, or fairly recently, it's been a few years ago now, but my father did pass away a few years ago, so I can't get further detail from him about this story. But I thought I would tell this story today. It's very brief because it was, it was pretty short for him. All I know is that he woke up in the middle of the night and he saw something standing in the doorway. He said it was a glowing figure, vaguely humanoid, standing in the doorway and gesturing for him to follow it. And he sat up in bed and he was frozen. He didn't know what to do. He was kind of scared. He didn't know if he wanted to follow it or anything. And he just sort of let out a, a bit of a yelp, which woke my mother up. And when he turned to look at the door again, the being was gone and his fear had also subsided. So he doesn't know what it was. He doesn't know whether it was a ghost or an alien, perhaps. He doesn't know. He just knows that he saw something in the doorway. My father was a man of science. He was not necessarily a believer of things. So I always really wanted to press him on this and get more information and find out a little bit more about what he actually experienced that night. Uh, but I never did get the chance. So that is a secret from my family. I'm sure my brother's probably heard that story as well. Maybe he has heard more about what my father had to say, because at the time I was bugger all age like two or three, and uh, yeah, my brother would have been much older than that, uh, 10, 12, something like that, so maybe maybe he recalls my dad talking about it the next day, so Darren, tell me, tell me if you heard anything. <laughs> Alrighty, that's pretty much it, I've got no reviews this week, which makes me a little bit of a sad panda. So if you do like listening to the show, you are enjoying it, please make sure you give us a review. Five stars is preferable, but I'd prefer if you're just honest. Leave a review somewhere, say what you think about the show. That gives me some feedback, and it gives other people some potential feedback that they could think, hey, okay, I'll give this a go. Uh, I'll give this go a shot. I'll give this show a shot, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, like, subscribe, review, all those wonderful things help me out. If you do want to reach out to me, info at chaos to the fly is the place where you can reach out and say hello. 
Or if you want to share your story, stories at chaostothefly.com is where you can send those. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Chaos to the Fly might mostly be my little project, but it couldn't be what it is without the help of some key individuals and resources. So I'd like to thank the following. Thanks to Simon Exley for his brilliant music-making skills, providing all music used in the show. You can look for his work at inexilerecords.bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Mr. Mr. Yarn for his glorious voice work, which you can hear in the intro and outro. You can find him at disco underscore box on Twitter. And last but not least, thank you to Simon Sherry, who provided the excellent artwork for the show, including our spooky mascot. Follow Simon at Simon Sherry on Twitter. Before I go, however, I should mention that the sound effects were obtained from zapsplat.com. And if you're looking for me, you can find me at Mad Capsules on Twitter. Thanks for listening to another episode of Chaos to the Fly. It would really help if you could leave us a review on iTunes or simply share the podcast with others you feel may be interested. To keep the spooky conversation going, follow us at Chaos to the Fly on Twitter and Facebook. Back to work. Flies.